Hey everybody, Jason Klom here. Uh, this is a very special episode of Comedy on Vinyl. Uh, this week we find out that Jeremy uh, is pregnant. Um, also, it is our live tribute to Phil Hartman. Uh, we recorded it live at the Zephyr Theater in Hollywood, and I want to very quickly thank Margie Mintz for setting that up for us. Um, and uh, this week's uh, panel is me, Jeremy Guskin, Mike Preister, and our very special guest, Vicki Lewis. Um, we sat down, we talked about Phil Hartman, and uh, you know what? We all got to just speak about how much we loved him. Uh, we had a really wonderful audience, and uh, Vicky was kind enough to join us for that hour and a half and be very candid with us. We also spoke to Paul Hartman, Phil's brother, on the phone, who was wonderful, and Angel Rosenthal, who runs the Phil Hartman for the Walk of Fame campaign on Facebook. Please join that. Uh, we're putting a link up on our page as we speak, uh, as I speak, after I speak shortly. So please enjoy this week's episode of Comedy on Vinyl, episode 10, the live tribute to Phil Hartman. Yeah, you can let her know. Are you too cold? I don't feel well. I feel like I'm... Oh! <laughs> <laughs> you know, is it the chill from the audience? I'm going to start a garbage fire. <laughs> yeah, chill. This was a really bad idea. This is a wool coat. It's good. It's, it's warm. It'll look good for the podcast. That's very true. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Thank you for coming to Comedy on Vinyl Live. How is everybody? Yay! You're not going to be able to hear us any louder than we're speaking because it's not necessary, but they can hear us th there. Right. Um, as everybody knows, we're here to talk about Poco, and um, this is their best album, Legend. Uh, Jeremy, do you want to tell me why this inspired you so much, just to be a comedian? Uh, well... And an actor. And a comedic actor. I looked at it and yeah. thought... Tonight I'm gonna break away. Thank Just you. you wait and see. See, I can't follow. Okay, that. you can't. That's fine. <laughs> okay. But Phil Hartman designed the cover of this album. That's the only uh, only vinyl I could really relate to Phil Hartman. So. Uh, <laughs> and there's over. the segue. There we go. Dun, dun, dun. So, this is a tribute to Phil Hartman. Yay! Um, yay. Yay! And with me, as usual, Mike Preister. Hi. Jeremy Guskin. Hello. This guy, and the lovely Vicki Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess I'm Jeremy and I work together on a show, so we know each other. <laughs> yes. Also, uh huh, we work. Vicki and I work together. Yes. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I've never met you before. <laughs> <laughs> before today. I like your work. You're Thank very, you. very I pretty like you and so nice. Far. You do some things that are a little edgy. That's and what I do. It makes me uncomfortable. But Good. That's why I like you. Ah, <laughs> uh, drink water. Um, so. Okay, thank you. I thought you'd spiked it. Um, so I don't know. Let we can just go around the table and just talk about Phil Hartman. But let's start with Vicky, even though it's not really going around the table. Yes. Because, um, because it's like a bad game of musical chairs. Yeah. I love it. I mean, obviously you worked with him for a long time, but what was your awareness of him before news radio, and what did you think of him, and then how did meeting yeah, him yeah, totally yeah. change that? Okay, that's a lot. And you know, I, I as I was coming here, I was trying to remember you know, all the sort of pertinent things that, that happened in my life, you know, uh, parallel with Phil. And, you know, I have to say, um, it was my first series. I came, I was a New Yorker, so I always was on the stage, and I, I always was doing theater, and I... 
theaters like television, but you know, in front of people right okay, away. No you know, that's what right. I didn't realize we had to explain. Oh, things. I'm just that's for everybody that's out there who might not understand what, who, what, right. what like, theater like, is. On the Broadway, right? I was. And that's and that's theater re. That's like Mammoth singing. Theater. Like when yes. you run out of talking, you sing. That's why they make a musical. <laughs> Right? right. I, right. So, yes. That's exactly why. Mm -hmm. But so I actually, I'm talking about myself already way too much, not about That's Phil. That's fine. Um, I sang for a musical that Jim Brooks was uh, producing called I'll Do Anything. And um, it took me out to LA. And I got news radio while I was out here. And I had never done a sitcom. And I remember um, we were shooting the end of the pilot. And Phil and I were standing across from one another in, at the elevator of the set. And we were waiting for them to set the lights and waiting for the brilliant writers that we had to rewrite some stuff. And I looked over and I realized, I, I'll never forget it, it's so corny, but I thought I actually made it. Like I, I'm standing here with Phil Hartman and something kind of genius is happening and you could feel it on that set. Yeah, cool. You could just feel it. That's amazing. You know, I mean, so, and I mean, I could tell you more and you can ask me things, but I mean, yeah. that moment is always, you know, illuminated in my head like a like a Christmas tree ornament because it meant so much to me and my yeah. life changed in that very moment that I, night. I, speaking as a fan, you can feel that because there are some projects that you watch um, where you can just feel how much people are having fun. Yeah. Sometimes they're not necessarily professionals. Luckily, they had a, a group of people together that knew how to make comedy. Well, the thing about the thing about news radio, which is I find as the years have progressed. Am I, uh, you can shut me off. No, or like, you're fine. You know. Please okay, keep talking. Is, no, okay, please okay. Keep so, talking. I mean, the thing, the thing for me with news radio that I realized um, with time, it's been, what, 15 years yeah. um, or so, is that we were, the writers and the actors, all very somewhat broken people. Uh -huh. um, and I say broken in a good way. Um, we were eccentric. We were... Uh, you know, uh, left of center. Yeah. We were not, you know, we didn't really fit in with mainstream television and we really sure. didn't fit in with the world. And it's interesting that Paul Sims, the creator, handpicked each one of us um, and we became this very dysfunctional kind of, I mean, I consider them all family, but when you ask me about Phil, of all the people, Phil to me was the most grounded and was the most professional. Yeah. And when I came in, he took me under his wing and he said, this doesn't last. Yeah. You know, it doesn't last. And save your money. Don't buy six sports cars. And, you Wait, know, I got to write this I down. I know, Hold right? Because your head, I know, Jeremy, we'll talk about your new pilot <laughs> yeah, in a minute, stop. but I don't want you to spend all your money next week. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but it was an interesting dynamic. I'm Did a he poor, literally give like, that he, kind of advice? He stuff gave too? it to that's, me. That's amazing. It I was mean, amazing. Cool. It was yeah. so amazing. And he would sit with me and show me how to trust to learn stocks and to invest my money. And it was interesting dynamic to watch because some people in the cast had three cars and yeah. big houses and it got a very big, you know, life. And yeah. I, I know I thank him to this day for my nest egg, yeah. you know, um, but he was the kind of the, the, the cool. stable one. Well, you know, like the NBA and the NFL, they have like these rookie symposiums to tell these guys. They teach them. Hollywood doesn't have that. No, I, and I feel yet, like so they should. That's pretty cool. No, you're right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It would be a neat thing for the unions to do too. So let's get on them. 
Exactly. Yeah, right? exactly. I love that. A, mentor, a mentoring program. Yes. yes. I like it. No, but it's a you know it's a cruel fate, and if you don't see it coming, and and even with that knowledge in my head, and Phil going, it doesn't last. You got to just do the work. You know, when people are stopping you and looking at you, and your paycheck is huge, and it just feels like crazy, dirty money, and you know, it it's hard not to. It's hard when it ends, and it was devastating when it did end. I bet. It I was bet. devastating. His relationship with you, I mean, uh, that just reminds me because I've seen too much news radio, but, like, it reminds me of the character Jimmy's relationship with Beth. Like, yeah. the same kind of mentor, right. teaching you stocks, exact same yeah. kind of thing, very much. Well, like and Stephen was very much a daddy, too. I mean, yeah. you know, Phil and Stephen were kind of the guideposts for me in that yeah. group, and, yeah. you know. That was, uh, and <laughs> having friends who worked on the show, uh, having friends who worked on the show, I, I probably was at 15 or 20 tapings, you know, in the first four years, and then, you know, writing the, the, the last season. Oh, that sounds nice. It's all right. We have to evacuate, but I really enjoyed. <laughs> it's my pacemaker. Let me just, let me turn it off. Give me a minute. It's Oh, there, oh, there we go. My husband's a sound designer. If you're listening, Phil, oh. call in and give us some guidance for the next feedback. Give us feedback on our feedback. Oh, the live, right, the live exactly. podcast. Um, uh, but what I was going to say is, like, the thing that I remember was, like, even, like, as just having friends on the set, Stephen Root and, and um, Phil, you know, they treated everybody the same, mm -hmm. you know, from, like, the guy visiting to the crew to whoever. And, and I had this image, like, one of my images of news radio was Phil and I don't know if he did this every show, but he would go up in the audience during the mm -hmm. show and stuff. Was, that was kind of his thing. He'd yeah. go in and, like, talk to the people yeah. in the studio audience, too, and stuff, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you know, people have lines and, you know, bits to do. You don't have, you know, that's not for everybody to do, but he was that kind of a person who would go out. And he, I'm sure he loved meeting the people, too. And that was just kind of that... That Phil Hartman that you get, you know, out in the crowd. <laughs> I forgot that about him. I mean, he used to because they have these comics on sitcoms. Uh. Not so much anymore. Right. Um, the warm up because guys. it's cruel, really. Yeah. <laughs> you hold the audience hostage and try to keep them laughing. And Phil would see it dying and mm -hmm. would, you know, wake them back yeah. up for yeah. the good of the right. Because the audience would love out. that, you yeah. know. And he'd, yeah. one sure. of the he did his impressions and stuff. Yes, right? he did. Jeremy, yeah. you walk out in that yeah. audience right now, talk to them. Boom. That's right. Picked up so much. Right. If now. I see y'all fading, that's what I'll do. <laughs> nice to see y'all. What do you do for a living? <laughs> Everybody, all at once. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean. Do you, have, you have questions on the edge of your lips. Well, you can see, yeah. more you can see it because it's like, it's like, it's just, you know, I mean, and, and again, I just want to jump back to one thing again, being a fan of the show and being a fan of everybody who was on it, you know, uh, News Radio was just, it, for me as somebody who now like works out here and has a pilot. Well, all right. All right. What's the name of that pilot? Yeah, what's it's, the name uh, of that, Jerry? It's called Aspen on... <laughs> Telemundo. Oh, nice. Is it on Telemundo? No, it's Why not on Telemundo. I don't know. I don't know what network it's on. I just got it yesterday. I have no information. What are you I'm crazily mismatched with? I am I am playing a talking cat that mm -hmm. has magical powers. Ah, I love that. That's great. And it's, you know, it's what you think. I'm not going to ruin it. Uh, it's like a modern day sort of serial citizen Kane meets... Watership down. Well, I don't. I have no. I don't know. I got. It as a simple comedy. I was going to say something nice, and now I've gone on this horrible tangent. No, but no. As a fan of news radio, because I can see it's coming through him, and I see it as well. But 
you know, when, when I see now that they give away, you know, SAG awards and Emmys, like, to, for best ensemble sometimes, right, right, right. that's the first show I always yeah. think of. Yeah. Because I've never yeah. seen a group of people who, I mean, like, literally at the beginning, it's just like, I don't know how this is going to work. And then after the third episode, you wondered how it ever wouldn't work. Well, and what's interesting is, you know, I was in the pilot only to be in the pilot. <laughs> I was written in, I had two lines, I believe, and so I, that's why I picked up the chewing gum. <laughs> Right? Because uh -huh. I sat out there in that freaking break room for so long when they were doing all the scenes, I was like, I gotta come up with something. And my line in the pilot literally was coffee day. So I took the chewing gum and I can make this annoying popping sound right. with it. So I, it started to become a thing. And you know what was great is that Jimmy Burroughs sort of latched onto those mm -hmm. things that we found and kept it going. But, um, wow, I lost my train of thought. I'm very old. I'm so sad, really. Wow. It was just the ensemble. No, things. it was, it was, a, you know, we would, we got well, close ensemble, yeah. very, very quickly. Um, at the wrap of the first six, I believe, we all didn't want to leave one another's side. And I believe it toyed with all of our personal lives, um, to be honest. I know it did. Um, and we went, we were drinking and, and partying uh -huh. on the set and in the dressing rooms, and the sun started to come up. And I remember the writers you know, Josh Lieb, who I adore, and all these guys, Al Higgins, and they put foil on yeah. the windows. They covered the windows. They did, because the light tell. was our enemy. Yeah. And huh. we would, when we had nowhere else to sort of hang out and the light was coming in, they were like, we went to Paul Sims' house and somebody said, where can we go to keep on drinking and hanging out? And I said, Vegas, right? And so they were like, Jeez. yes. And so at like 11 a.m., you know, in the morning, we're sweating like rapists. Do <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like waiting, like I'm not hot anymore this isn't fun you know but we and we ended up in vegas and i remember coming Driving home blue. little boat thankfully we wouldn't get in the car but you know i remember coming home like two days later so i had never been that person who just you know and it became very just clicky and strange and i think part of the reason we were never nominated for star <laughs> is because we would go to awards like we were banned from the sag awards <gasps> now when i say we i recall the evening of steven root and myself sitting perfectly you know normally at the table but andy decided <laughs> to ask for helen hunt's autograph on his dick. <laughs> so it was stuff like that. You know, it got a little, there were certain elements that would get, and so we were banned, you know, and we didn't act as a group right ever <laughs> anywhere. It wasn't possible, you that know. Makes sense. So I, I think that's, we scared people even, to a certain extent. E even Phil, because, I mean, I don't know, you talk about him as an anchor, but that just, that blows me away that he would still be that kind of a crazy person Well, outside. Phil was yeah. not part of that. No, right. he wasn't. He, he was, was his own thing. Man, he was, and, yeah. he was absolutely not in that, and Stephen Root was not really right. uh, so, so much of it. It was mainly myself, mm -hmm. Paul Sims, okay. Dave, mm -hmm. Andy, <laughs> Maura, uh -huh. and, Joe? Uh, no. and Brad Isaacs, and oh, Josh Lieb, and Joe. 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 I was going to say Logan. Vegas and I mean, Joe. Joe. No, but Joe, the writer Joe, who oh, I love. Oh. His name, I'm forgetting. Joe. Red-haired Joe, One Man News Radio. Jesus Christ, we're old. Anyway. Sam? No, Joe Fury. No, Joe Fury, yes. Joe Fury, right, yeah. Joe Fury. Um, right. We became a nucleus, okay. yeah. And yeah. within that, we're, you know. And then I saned out a little bit. Uh -huh. You know, it was hard to keep it up. Yeah. Um, and 
I think it took a toll on all, all of our relationships and marriages at the time, <laughs> um, as you have probably Those read in the press. Yes. Right. Yes. And what one, one other thing that I do say in, in, in kind of heartbreaking way is that at the time of News Radio, I lived with Nick Nolte, and Phil lived with, with Bryn, mm -hmm. and they were both people in the darkest part of their disease. Yeah. And it was heartbreaking. And I think that Phil and I had a bond around it mm. because we thought that we could save the people right, that sure. we loved With so just desperately. Just the right things would make things better. Yes. And we were not able to do so. And, you know, I'll never forget, we went to the Golden Globe Awards, and I brought Nick, and he brought Bryn, and they were both sober. Uh -huh. uh, Nick was sober when I met him um, on I'll Do Anything. And she was, I guess, sober. I don't, didn't really follow, you know, it wasn't my business. And they both began to drink. They got together, mm -hmm. and Phil and I looked at each other, and I thought that my life is over. Like, I, yeah. we were so worried. And um, towards the end, you never knew it with Phil, but towards the end of that, that season, he came in a couple of times without having shaved, which for him was was unheard of and not late but worn and had slept on the boat mm -hmm. and was you know calling hospitals when his kids weren't brought home and it had gotten yeah. to that place that we all know it got to mm. and I remember he said to me how do you do this yeah and I made up some ridiculous thing I had convinced myself that my relationship was going to be okay or, or I just right. wasn't you know handling it and when he was killed you know I, my relationship went all the way down uh -huh. and I left the business for two years mm -hmm. and I left Nick, you know, at that time. And I'd been there 10 years, you know, and I, I feel like I got out before the boat sank. And sure. how I dealt with Phil's death was all I could do was write. So mm -hmm. I locked myself away on that hiatus after he was killed. And I had all these literary martyrs who I loved my entire life, Dorothy Parker and Salinger and, you know, all these great writers and Tennessee Williams. And, and I just sat down and wrote about 24 songs mm -hmm. and produced a record called East of Midnight, which is out. But I don't say it for that reason. But that's yeah. a, that was a journal for me of how to walk through that. And I actually, that album was a premonition of what, what came, which mm -hmm. was my relationship just... It nearly killed me, sure. you know, and so um, I always felt kindred with with Phil for that reason. Sure, you know, because you you can't save the people that you love sometimes. Right. Of of all the things you know that resulted from his death, you know, I feel like if the show had already ended and it, yeah. you know, and like what had happened happened years later, I, I feel like that it was like almost like a, a godsend to his fans that. You know, you guys got to do a farewell show, yeah. you know, because it was to Phil Hartman, you know, yeah. even though, you know, it, it was his character. And then, you know, that had happened at least on a hiatus, so you guys had some time to process. Because yeah. could you imagine if that was like a weekend off? And, then, you yeah. know, obviously yeah. there's no way to come back the next week and yeah. shoot a show or anything. Like that. No. So there was, a few, uh, if I remember, it was like August, but I'm not sure, you know, so there was yeah. like a, a weeks or months or whatever to get ready and all, too. Cause well, and I, and I, you know, none of us wanted to come back. Yeah. We really didn't want to keep going. Sure. And, um, and I'll also never forget this. This is going to sound all made up like it's on Ghost Hunters or something, but, you know, I was asleep, and the day, the morning the news came out, Nick woke me 
And he had a look on his face, and I remember I sat up and I said, it's Phil. Like, I, I just, somehow, oh, wow, I just rough. somehow, I, yeah. it was so strange to me. But um, we didn't want to come back. And, yeah. you know, John Lovitz is the reason, I believe, that Phil got on Saturday Night Live. Mm -hmm. Phil's a graphic yep. designer, yeah. as we all know. John sort of dragged him in and got him seen, and mm -hmm. he was on there. And so, you know, we thought that that choice made sense. But sure. it was never the same, and it wasn't John's fault. Right, oh, of course not. No, of course no. Not. you couldn't John, blame him for it. No. There are some some of my favorite episodes in that season are actually or from the show are actually from that season. Um, uh -huh. You know it's it's you know we we you know obviously there's there's no denying what a huge impact that death had on people who knew him. Yeah. Obviously, I never met him. He's the reason I wanted to get into voiceover and in, into acting. The first he's the first celebrity that ever mattered to me was lost. You know, mm -hmm. and. Um, and that's just mostly because everything he did was so full of joy, at least on yeah. camera, you yes, know what I mean? And I just wanted to talk about what made him so funny. That's just so important to me. I mean, and Jeremy, you and I have talked about that episode <clears throat> of Saturday Night Live. That oh, I mean, sketch. it's, I mean, you know, for me, I mean, it's, it's like with any great performer, any great comedian, because I, I you, again, I don't think you can call him a comedian. He's just a brilliant actor, and he just was really good at comedy, and it comes down to what Edmund Keene always said, you know, like, dying is easy, comedy is hard, mm -hmm. and Phil, for whatever reason, made it look effortless. Everything he did was so clean and specific. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I mean, and, and you can talk about bits he did from Saturday Night Live. I mean, I can talk about, you know, even just one line as a reporter in Pee-wee's Big Adventure walking by. He's got that perfect cadence, and he just, there's nothing sloppy about anything he did. He was, he was just a quintessential professional as, as an actor, let alone as a comic. And you know, and we, we talk about that you know that one you know that one Saturday Night Live bit where he, you know he, he's doing the the panel with uh, um, was it Nora Dunn show, uh -huh. and it's uh, Tonto, uh, Tarzan, and Frankenstein giving all their answers. And of course, you know, and you know it's supposed to be a regular talk show. And it's like, well, you know, I'd like to you know welcome <laughs> these three people for coming. And like, hello, like hello, hello, you know, and Phil <laughs> Phil doing his terrible. You know, they don't even have the green, but he's got the bolt on. He's got his jaw jutting out, and he's just. And he just maintains the face so perfectly through the whole thing. And they ask the innocuous questions like, oh, the first topic is um, bread. What do we think of bread? Bread, good. And then Tonto, bread, good. And uh, Frankenstein, bread, good. You know, I mean, it just... And then when it comes to the end and you know it's coming again, fire bad the second time after talking about, like, trade unions in the West Indies, you know, after fire, good, fire bad. Oh, a little bit of condescension. And it comes to the end and you know it's coming and he freaks out and punches a hole through the wall upstage and leaves. And, I mean, it's the only time I ever saw him crack in anything and it was, like, the most effective thing I have... Because, again, how are you going to end it? It was, like, yeah. the ending... It was, like, ending... Um, uh, um, sorry, Billy Wilder... Um, uh, a lot of movies. Uh, the, the, something, uh, like it hot. something like it hot. You know, yes. like like oh, nobody's perfect. Right. It's like they didn't perfect. think that was going to be the end line, but it had to be. You know what I mean? And like, it just uh, yeah, I I just I love watching everything he did, even the yeah. small like Sergeant Bilko. He's great in. Oh yeah. You know, I know. And, and I, I am probably uh, the only uh, person to put those English words together in that sentence. Uh, it's true. It is um, true. But yeah, I just everything he did was just you know, and again, as somebody watching him as a young person watching him on TV, yeah. it was. He was somebody to steal everything Absolutely. from. Absolutely, you know. Yeah. I mean, and it was just inflections or takes yeah. or whatever it was. And yeah, and I would just would have loved to have seen him do Zap Brannigan on Futurama. Oh God, just would have loved to have seen yeah. that. But, I mean, it, there's no doubt that I love Billy West. Don't get me wrong. Oh, and I think everybody on the show is great. Fillmore. I mean, sure. everybody's great. But to see to have him do that would have been oh, just pretty damn good impression. Yeah. Billy West does though. Oh, yeah. I, 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 oh, oh, yeah, he's amazing. He's amazing. But 
Mike was the first thing, or at least the most, the thing that first hit you. I think so much of America just remembers him from Saturday Night Live. And just, you know, they you, you read all the things. They called him the glue. There's the glue. Said, he'd like walk in a room, and they'd start going glue. glue. <laughs> and some of the things that I thought was, I, I watched some interviews with him. He, he did like a later with Greg Kinnear that's on YouTube. It's fairly, because uh-huh. you just want to kind of hear his side of things, because you right. never know these stories you hear, you know, yeah. which they are. And that, you know, in the, it, he says in the mid-70s, you know, went to see the Groundlings. And mm-hmm. he talks about himself coming into acting later in life and then like about to quit too because sure. yeah. he had little falling out with Paul Rubens mm-hmm. over you know things that happened on Pee Wee Herman so and all and he was about to quit and ended yeah. up on Saturday Night Live and it's just when I think of things you know so many people peg him as Bill Clinton was as big and he was hilarious right. but I wonder how much he got sick of that because you know right. you want to walk in the room every time and go come on do Bill Clinton because I love Caveman Lawyer. That's the thing. Caveman Lawyer is, I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, like his Frank Sinatra (laughs) is fantastic, you know. But I mean, yeah, it's. I mean, just a lawyer. Caveman, you know. And I just, I would laugh. My favorite is the is the cutaway from the next episode. It's like, get me another scotch, I'll show you in this old crummy airline, and just freeze on him all drunk and drooling with the whole big ridge. Oh, I'm a I'm a freak for that. I just for some reason I I don't forget it ever. Everybody, yeah. she actually uh, she would have to, I right guess. that yeah, and and she loves yeah. it when I do entire Monty Python sketches. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. It is a turn on for all the men out there. That's how you turn a woman on. Star Wars references and Monty Python. There are no women here. <laughs> just so you know, right? Uh, but no, and then there's one other thing that I just. Um, yeah, no, I just, yeah, and Phil is, is amazing. But the first thing, because I just want to jump back to that, mm-hmm. the first thing that I ever remember seeing him in, or like remembering it was him, yeah. was watching Pee Wee's Playhouse, the original on mm-hmm. HBO, oh, when they God. showed it. Mm-hmm. The um, live action. The live action, theater, the, the, yeah. the, the one for adults, right, you right, know. Yeah. <laughs> Shoe mirrors, yeah. you know, like that one. Uh, and they had the Sly and the Family Stone medley, and it was amazing. But the, <laughs> the one thing, and I'll never forget it, was when he came on as Captain Carl, and the best thing is, is you don't even get a look at him because he runs, immediately enters, and then runs off stage because he said he has to use the bathroom. So you don't even get a look at him. He's like, excuse me, and he's gone. Right, so you're waiting for this guy to come back, and he finally does, and it's, it's the line that I'll never forget, and it's got this brilliant physical bit. This baby comes up to him and says, wait a minute, Captain Carl, did you wash your hands? And he goes, no! <laughs> and just takes that and covers his no- eyes, nose, and mouth, and then they sing a song about, you know, sailors washing their hands. And, it's, and, and I just sat there with my mouth open going, like, that is the funniest thing yeah. anyone could ever do. And, yeah, and again, it was, just a, it was just perfectly done, you know, and when I found out that he had written so much of it sure. and, you know, was responsible for that, when Pee-wee's uh, Big Adventure came out, I went and saw that instantly and then again when I found out he was responsible it was you know everything I find out about him it's just it adds to it yeah. how about for you Jason your yeah. first Phil Hartman and it's hard because I know Phil I Hartman. saw him on, on SNL a bunch but I have hated most of SNL since the <laughs> mid 80s and so I wasn't really paying attention to it um, but I did I thought you were going to say but I hated him I don't know why we're doing this, actually. I have no idea. No, I did not like a lot of SNL at the time, so he stood out. 
he always stood out. There's no doubt. So I knew exactly who he was. But when I started hearing him on The Simpsons, I think Troy McClure just yeah, again yeah, that so was good. like Lassie. the epitome of smarm. And again, that's what's attracted me so long for him, to him so much. And yeah, there are people laughing in the audience who know why, um, just because of my personality. But he, I uh, once I saw him on, on news radio, sort of embodying that. Like that was the thing yeah. that just killed me because he's one of those classic. But it, was, it was almost like executive smart. Oh yeah, oh, you know, yeah. Like yeah. Eddie Izzard is an executive. Oh, at, yeah. you know what I mean. So he had this kind of, do you yeah. know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It was dignified. Absolutely. And it right. was yeah. it was filtered through something else. Uh, you know, because he was a good actor, and you know, yeah. the, the good actor acting made him a great comedic actor. He, uh, um, I'm just trying to think. I totally forgot what the hell I, know, I was going to say. First thing. First thing. First thing. What? First sketch, Saturday Night Live. First thing that you sketch, liked that, that you remembered so him. Most memorable. I can't, I can't remember. You liked them on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, I mean, the yeah, yeah, the Simpsons was really the thing that hit me. You might remember me okay, from I such films. So. Maybe I should leave for a minute. Go behind the, the, the curtain. Um, yeah. But anyway, no, but it was on, on news radio. Oh, we were all radio. looking at you. Yeah, thank you very much. You're welcome. Um, but uh, on news radio, what I was just going to say is, like, he's one of the classic at least Bill McNeil is one of the classic yeah. bastards with a heart of gold. Yeah. Like yeah. going oh, back to Bilko, me? going back to uh, sure. uh, the boss on the Dick Van Dyke show, his name is escaping me right now. Alan Brady, yeah. Alan no, Brady right. thank you. No, and no, I, I just think he's one of the top five, <laughs> you know, like, oh, God, it really is. Ah, that's what we're actually here for. Right. We're, we're raising now, money for Alzheimer's research. Old people, old people talking about things. Uh, and now, you remember that man in the car? <laughs> When he stopped, what did he say? I forget. Did he have the mustache or didn't have the mustache? This happens with me every episode. I don't really remember. When I do this, you're supposed to keep talking, Jeremy. Remember that? I was. Oh you didn't hear me just oh rambling? Um, we were going to very quickly maybe... Uh, do a song? Yes. No, yes, let's do, it. let's do it. I can read Melanie Hudson's thing. Yeah, well, oh, we're also going to have a, a quick call with that. Phil Hartman's brother, if I can absolutely reach him on the phone. This is the whole point. Is that, <laughs> this is turned into is cash cab. in there? Do you know? <laughs> uh, we were going to very quickly... Let's see if he's there, because I'm going to surprise him. I told him I was going to text him first, um, but I haven't had an opportunity. Do it cold. You want me to read this while you do that? You know what? See, and that's buzzing. And there it Why goes. Why is that buzzing? It wasn't buzzing. It sounds going what? What? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> There's a man in oh, oh, the box. <laughs> There's a man right. in the box talking. Um, all right, so what we'll do is, yeah. Uh, yeah, read the thing and <laughs> explain it. Words. Those are not words. Why don't you set up the bit? <laughs> I am, set, I'm, set up your bit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, basically, um, uh, I was I was able to talk to to Melanie Hudson, who of course played uh, Jan Brady and um, uh, Tori Spelling on Saturday Night Live, while Phil was there, and uh, she wanted to be here today, but unfortunately had things to do with uh, the family. But she did write this so that I could read it for her, um, and it's it's just it's great. I don't need to set it up any more than that. Um, this is so Mel Melanie Hutzel on Phil Hartman. I don't think I've ever been quite as nervous as I was when I auditioned for Saturday Night Live. It was the first of many out-of-body experiences I would have over the course of the three years I was on the show. I didn't realize that not only Lorne and other producers would be watching the audition, but lots of cast members as well. When it was time for me to perform my Jan Brady impression, I needed somebody to play Mike Brady, and I asked Phil if he would do it. He said... I would love to be Mike Brady, but I think it would be better if I read it from off stage so that all eyes will be on you. Well, at that point, on the one hand, you know, he had a point, but on the other hand, I really, really went against the plan I'd had in mind for weeks, but the overriding feeling was, oh my God, I've been watching this guy since college and I can't believe I'm standing in his presence, oh my God. He eventually convinced me and it turned out to be the right move. It was a very thoughtful and generous gesture coming from a fellow actor and I've never forgotten it. 
that first interaction that we had during the audition pretty much set the course for our relationship over the next three years. He was always stopping by my office just to talk, and he gave me a lot of really great advice. It has been said that he was the glue during those years, not only in his ability to play the everyman roles, but also bringing our group together behind the scenes as well. I remember that every time he would walk into a room, everybody would start chanting in the lowest register of their voices, he cared about everybody and was a true team player. I do remember one time he expressed to me that he really missed working with Jan Hooks, and, he, and she understands why. They had such a great chemistry together, but he certainly didn't let this slow him down. She felt very lucky to be in the presence of somebody working at the top of their game, especially knowing how kind and giving he was behind the scenes. Uh, Melanie has been part of a Facebook campaign to help get Phil a much-deserved star on either the Hollywood or Canadian Walk of Fame. Why not both? Yeah. And I really do hope that it happens. And this is what she wrote uh, just to end up. I miss Phil. The world misses Phil. But thankfully, he was able to use his talents in such a way that he left behind quite a body of work that will continue to make people laugh for years and years and years. That's nice. That's good. Yeah. Melanie, if you're listening, thank you. Yes. You're not, li you're we're not listening right letters now. Early, so. <laughs> oh, you will. <laughs> you give me just a few minutes. I wrote one, but it's it's my intervention letter to you. So. He's got, Jeremy's got like 17 pages. I have, I've got yeah. one. Research. Jeremy did research. Do you want to just take over the show? So I mean, yes. Now that Jeremy I already thought show? I had. Wow. <laughs> 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 See. You are drunk with power. I hate you. Um, have we called anyone yet? No, we're going to. Oh, I thought maybe you were doing that while I know. No, Was that out of boredom or out of out of just sheer curiosity? Insecurity on my part. Okay, that's fine. That's all right. I asked that because yeah. I was insecure no, too. So yeah. that's that's good. All right, let's call Paul. Um, I just texted him. <laughs> and a jump off what you said, he actually got to do Clinton for Clinton like yes, multiple times, much to oh, the really? delight of Bill. Ooh, phone oh, call. Phone calls. Ooh. Just like George Bush. What and if George he does? That what well, he can't hear he can't us right, hear right, right now. Right so we'll record it. It's even better. That's his picture. Phil, Phil is one of eight children, so I imagine he... Yeah. I don't think we have that kind of time. Yeah. Oh, good voice. This will be fun. <laughs> we can leave a group... Hello? Oh, Ooh. Paul? This is on. Oh. Hold on one second. <laughs> this, this does not sound good, and it's not your fault. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Huh? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh dear! Oh, I've been shot. You need to apologize. Oh, it to your, does sound like a party. Does it not? Um, you know what? We're having some uh, wonderful technical difficulties right now. Well, Dan, I could hold it up to the microphone, but this is not going out there, so we wouldn't be able to hear it. Uh, do the speaker? Yeah, you know what? I could do that. That's Let's. A uh, it's a small enough theater here, Paul. Uh, real quick, um, <laughs> we've all been talking about Phil, and uh, just you know, we thought we'd give you a call, obviously, and uh, just uh, you know, just uh, give give me a second. Let's see if we can do you on speaker here. Can you still hear me? I can still hear you. Hey! Good. Yeah. Yay! And the audience. <laughs> the, all right. Oh my God! I got the clap. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Get a shot. So um, we're, we were just talking about the first thing, obviously, uh, the first thing you ever saw that Phil Hartman did was, was uh, be there. Um, but we, you know, uh, we just, you know, we all love Phil Hartman. What are you doing, Jerry? I wish you had a tiny chair for the phone I, to put oh, it next okay. to the... Uh... Um, 
But we, just really quickly, I don't know. We uh, we've got you know we've got a few people here gathered here, and obviously I'm sure you were proud of him because you're, you're part of the campaign to get him uh, the star on the Walk of Fame as well. Um, just just tell us what it was like to have him as a brother. Well, my experience with Phil was a, a, a lifetime of firsts. Uh -huh. Phil, you know, like uh, just about everything I did in life, I did with Phil, you know, because uh, we were so close in age, and, and he had to babysit me a lot. Uh -huh. So, um, you know, he gave me my first surfboard. He, uh, we played catch together, you know, we, things like that, you know, and, and uh, he was also one of the first acts I ever booked when I was a baby agent. You know, I, I got him some of his first gigs, you know, That's amazing. and, and uh, things like that. So it, it it was just a long line of firsts, you know, and, and that's kind of, kind of how I look at Phil is uh, he uh, set a renaissance going in me, you know, and, and, uh, and it has again, you know, even with, with him being gone. So it's... Uh, it's one of those things, you know, it's like a, two projects I'm working on that are animation projects are based on original artwork Phil did. That's awesome. That's and uh, we're, we're now five years into that process and about to do the pilots. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the last time I saw Phil was the night our father died. And, uh, and Phil and I talked and, and he said, you know, someday we'll do something together. And, uh, and I look at these things and, and, and like getting him as stars as um, the, uh, a dream and a promise, right? Sure. And so that, that's how I, I'm seeing it, you know. When these kind of things that you're doing, this is great. You know, I, I just love it to see that people still carry him so much in, in their hearts. Well, we, we appreciate you doing this. I, I wanted to ask you a real quick question about as far as if you, you know, you guys spent so much time together. I just want to know what his first comedic influences were, if you had something to do with that, if you guys were both being influenced comedically at the same time. I know he was an actor, but I mean, he was a, hilarious. So. Well, cartoons at first. I mean, we watched Rocky and Bullwinkle and, you know, the Flintstones and, uh, all those kind of, I mean, Sherman and Peabody were <laughs> some of our favorite stuff, and and, uh, and then uh, it, it became other things, you know, it became films and music, and and Phil and I, you know, we, we not only lived together when we were kids, but later on I rented a room from him when, just as he started at the Groundlings, and uh, so, you know, we would commute to the office at the Crossroads of the World, and and, uh, you know, we'd drive by Hanna-Barbera and go, God, someday, you know, I, I want to do voices in cartoons. And sure enough, you know, he was. <laughs> you know? That's amazing. Well, I, Paul, I, I don't want to take any more of your time, and uh, I really, really appreciate you, you, you doing this for us. And uh, thank you for booking him some of his first gigs, otherwise we might not have seen him anywhere. Is there anything yes, people I'm sorry. can do? Is there anything people can do for the push to get him? Oh, yeah, as far as the push to get him the, the, the star on the Walk of Fame, I am going to talk to Angel in a little bit about that as well. Um, but it, what can we do besides go on the Facebook page? You know, there's a Facebook page for his, his star. What else can we do? Well, the, the Canadian Walk of Fame is uh, anybody can vote on that. Okay. So uh, that's great. You go to uh, Canada's Walk of Fame backslash nominations, and uh, last year Phil had his own button, and I'm sure he will this year too. Good, right. Um, and it's just body count.
Um, I'll get my mom to do it, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I swear I'll do that. Paul, thank you so much. Um, like I said, this is going to be up shortly, so, you know, uh, thank you. I just re I really appreciate All it. Right. I will insist that everybody, everybody vote. Everybody have fun. Thank you. Hey. Thank you, Paul. Right, bye. That wasn't too uncomfortable at no, all. No, not at all. What's freaking me out is how much he sounds like Phil. Yeah, yeah it is. Also, and when his picture popped up too. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't. He, he, he doesn't look, look dissimilar. No, not at all. Very much. Uh, you want to just read all your notes for the rest of the show? That's what you can do. <laughs> really? Since you took so many damn notes. I, I actually, we went we went over everything. You're making me look like an Yeah, that's it. Um, actually, the only other thing that I had on here that I even wanted to mention because I thought it was interesting, but apparently he auditioned to be the announcer on The Price is Right. Did he really? Oh. Yeah, and, and Rod Roddy or whoever it is got it instead of him. I know. Isn't that crazy? crazy? Yeah, it's show business makes no yeah. It's right. insane. I mean, like, no can you imagine Phil Hartman showing up and being the MC for something and going, no. No. <laughs> no. You know what? That's wrong. I can't even imagine that you get to the point where you don't just offer him that. Like, I go to appointments sometimes, as you do, I'm sure, and you're just sitting there, and it's like, there's Tom Arnold, and yeah. there's Peter, and there's Liza Minnelli, and like, why yeah. are they bringing right. these people? I know. Like, what part are all those people auditioning right. for? That's what yeah. I want. Yeah. 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 That's... Like, I wonder who will get it. Right. It's for the Morgan Fairchild story. Exactly. Right? I know. How does she get a story? I don't, yes, I don't know. I know. I, I, she was auditioning for it, actually. Morgan Fairchild right. brought her in. I was like, this is so passed. unfair. I know, I'm sure we've all had that at one time, but like, I had a We Want a Vicky Lewis type yes. for a voiceover, but I didn't get it. Yes. Uh, yeah. In fact, Red actually, that's the, uh, the uh, my, uh, my father told me, actually, before I started, to do this horrible thing. My yeah. father told me the four cool. stages of the actor's career. <laughs> yeah. And actually, Martin Mull, Until Death, gave me the fifth, which I right. didn't know there was one. But the four stages of the actor's career, if I remember correctly, is who's Jeremy Guskin? Right. Two, get me Jeremy Guskin. Three, we need a young Jeremy Guskin. <laughs> four, who's Jeremy Guskin? <laughs> and then, of course, five that uh, Martin Mull told me was You'll never hear what happened to Jeremy. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, yeah. So I mean, like that. I think is that's the full cycle. So I try to remember that, no matter what. You know, no I matter. I like it when I go in and they're like, "We're so. I can't believe you came in for us. We're so honored. Don't get it." No. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's well, nice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the only yeah. other time I had something like that was I auditioned for a Carrot Top character and Carrot Top also auditioned, and I got it. See, no, awesome. that's just, that's cruel. That's See, your that carrot was, top, that's Right, cruel. that's mean. Right. So, but that yeah. is funny. But, yeah, yeah. That's what Universally, I that is funny. And karmically. The thing about L.A. that versus New York is that in all of my years out here in L.A., I have never, ever gotten any bad feedback. It's always, oh, yeah. we loved her, we're going a different way. Yeah. In New York, when you fuck right? You can when swear. When you don't do well, yeah, right away. they go, she sucked. Yeah. That was right? awful. She blew it. You know, try again. Yeah. But you never, so you never really know where you. you Actually, know. I did get that note on Tuesday uh, in the car early morning when I found. No, Wednesday. Way? Wednesday. No, no. no. Uh, when you got. Actually, yeah. He yeah. was like, "What happened? You tanked the fucking audit. You, you tanked the callback." And I started, and I spent like two minutes apologizing. He's like, "You got it anyway. Don't worry." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
And I was like, yeah. I was like one of those moments where you want to kill and kiss somebody at the same time. Mm-hmm. It was one of those. Yeah. And of course, the name of that show is Perfect Strangers Two. Yes. Correct. Right. Um, sorry. Actually, that, that's what it, it's. Perfect Strangers. Credits. Yes, okay. it's it's Perfect Strangers Two colon Correct. That's okay. actually what it is. That's the name of your pilot. No, it's not. What's the name of your? Oh, it's just Aspen. Aspen. I don't believe it. there's a pilot. Aspen. Anymore. I don't think. I made it up. I actually, what it is? I got my. I got my. It's actually S with a dollar sign. Um, oh. I got my pilot's Great. license. Oh, good. Good you, you need to explain Never these things. Yes. I didn't, no, I didn't. No one's ever. <laughs> I only got it yesterday. <laughs> um, Speaking of pilot's licenses, Phil Hartman had a pilot's <laughs> license. Back to Phil I, Hartman. To, to be honest with you, I think I could literally just talk about things I've seen him in for a good four to seven hours. Sure, four it's, to seven. I'm serious because I mean, like again, you know, like there's so many things he did that I remember almost verbatim. You know, because, yeah. and they were just, you know, like, mm-hmm. when on Saturday Night Live, when he used to play that crazy waiter with the, it's like, hello, you know? Uh-huh. He'd take a nothing part and make yeah. it into what something. Was the, uh, what uh, was the uh, anal retentive chef? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It's always hilarious. <laughs> well, first yeah. we fold yeah. this up, and then you then you take the refuse, you put that in a baggie. Then we took the refuse baggie and put it in another yeah. bag. You know? run out of time for the show, because the very first time he... <laughs> Like we'd cut off a piece of something, you'd have to wrap, yeah, wrap it, it up, up and then wrap it. put it in a trash bag and stuff. And look, there was, and that was the character. He didn't yeah. need to put on any physicality yeah. or yeah, a sure. voice or anything. It was yeah. all in just the setup. It no, was... and also I remember in news radio. I mean, the, he uh. never rehearsed. I mean, I guess at a certain point, none of us needed to. Sure. We knew who our characters were, but there was a cadence, and the stakes were so high and so real. I, to this day, I don't know why it was as funny as it was. It was something innately, it's just a gift at a certain point. And I, mean, sure. I, I don't know, I can't dis- And also, I, I mean, I, I think it comes from, and I, almost it might be easier from an outside perspective, especially on this, but, yeah. you know, I've always heard that good directing is 90% casting. Yeah. And yeah. you cannot ask for a better cast than mm-hmm. all of you. Mm-hmm. And regardless of whether or not, you know, it was the right amount of right people for the right, whatever it was, right. it all worked. It because did, yeah. you guys were all so good together. And when you get good actors, you don't need to have great material even. Yeah, as long right. as you're talking and listening to That's one right. another, when you have funny people or intelligent sure. people, you yeah. just can't help but watch it. To me, to me, that show is like the, the Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah, yeah. it really the, the is. Mary Tyler Moore show of that era. Absolutely. Sounds the uh, Emmys. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, to yeah. that, a lot of people have said that Bill McNeil was just right. Ted Baxter and Phil Hartman and made sure. it Bill McNeil. It was. You know? Right. And there was just everybody bringing something other than sitcom to it. it yeah. Well, it was. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a group of seasoned actors. I mean, yeah. I was 35 when I was on that. What? You know, oh my God. I don't even really? think you're 35 I yet. Know, you're very sweet. But no, I mean, you know, that was, we were all, we had all been around and seen a lot. You know, what's interesting, yeah. I don't know if everybody knows this, this is a little tidbit, I just remember. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> is that um, the original handyman Joe, slash Joe Rogan, uh-huh. Did you know this yes. already? Mm-hmm. Oh, everyone knows it. Why, no, I listened to the commentaries three or four times. <laughs> so, so sorry. Um, sorry. Again, all the women, please Ladies. pay attention. Uh, DVD yes, commentary. Well, yes. No, it was. Um, wow, Haley. Ray Romano. The, the Alzheimer's uh, Ray Romano? committee. No, not Ray Romano. no, it was Ray. It was Ray Romano, and you know, he he was didn't it didn't work out. Then we had a which I never understood, and Ray would do, make me die laughing because he and I had nothing to do, right? <laughs> so it's like they gave I had a piece of gum in the pilot, and he had, had like a tool, tool belt, belt, right? And we're like, who the fuck are we, right? <laughs> and we're trying to figure it out, and he would say to me, he said it to me, I think once or twice, like, oh, I'm gonna fire me, like, I really don't know what I'm doing, and I remember saying, stop saying that, oh. you know? But that didn't they couldn't find that was the only character they sort of couldn't. Yeah. 
right? And so then we had a second guy, and then Joe. But um, I was going to tell a funny thing, which I, it's not very nice, really, but it's funny. I don't think it's mean, really. It's kind of mean. But we were doing Definitely a scene. Said. Andy, Dick, and I were doing a scene in the break room. It was just me and Andy. That's it. Right? And we did the scene and cut, and we go over to Video Village where all the writers are, and they wanted to tweak the joke. He comes running over to me and he goes, Did you see that last scene? Was I funny in it? Andy did? Yeah, okay. I said, Andy, I was in it with you. <laughs> <laughs> I was in it. <laughs> Still nothing, but was I funny? <laughs> I'm in it. I mean, it was, I just never have forgotten that. It made oh, me laugh Lord. very hard. <laughs> I mean that with all the love in my heart. Listen, yes. you know, Andy's one of the got one of the biggest hearts of anybody. He, uh, and I saw an interview with him that he did with Tom Green back when there was the big controversy with him and John and stuff. Yeah. And he said he felt this love for Phil Hartman because when he went into rehab, he said Phil yeah. was the one who yeah. called and checked in on him. And he found out later sure. Phil was trying to find out about getting Brynn in, yeah, you know, is what he wanted to know. But, mm-hmm. you know, Andy, yeah. Andy did love Phil. Of course he you did. Know? Everybody I mean, loved you know, Yeah, Phil. absolutely. And, I mean, but... Yeah. I, I, again, you know, I just go to that we were, a, you know, an eclectic group. An eclectic you know, and there were group. a lot. There were personalities, and yeah. you know, that's what made the show great. Yeah. And it also, you know, not a dysfunction, but you know, there there was, it was every a creativity piece. there. there. A, that's what you get with creativity. creative people. You there know, was, so it was, it was wild. No work you know? to do the show, yeah. and the writers started writing like really uh, at the middle of year one. They yeah. began at like two a.m. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we'd get like this many pages yeah. at noon. They'd be yeah. warm. You'd be like, <laughs> okay, but it was always genius. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, and I go on certain shows today that I just I'm kind of like, where where have you put the writers? Yeah. Where you know. Where are those guys? Where is Brad Isaacs? Yeah. Where is Josh Lieb? And, and they're all working and they're around. But, you know, that was a time when writers got an $18 million deal. Yeah. You sure. know, and writers were, I think, the driver, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, they were the driving force. And something happened uh, that's unexplainable where, you know. It's network, the, you know, like. Like the network did very little with that show, you know, touch to oh, touch yeah. news radio. They were there, yeah, yeah. and the production That's company right. was there, but they didn't but have but you know, it was it was so it was Paul, it was Paul yeah. you know, yeah. calling the writers in at yeah. you know one in the morning That's and stuff. Right. You know, there was no network there, no. and I don't all, all the shows I know of now are all like kind of nine to five, you know, kind of thing and stuff. I mean, there's wonderful writers out there. I there mean, are. I have a recurring part on How I Met Your Mother, and those writers are kind of genius. You know, yeah. I was I was so thrilled to see yeah. that writing. They're out there, but it's like reality television came in or something, and the bar got changed, and I don't know what happened, you know. Although it feels very, you know, hopeful that we have Modern Family, and that we have, yeah. you know. Aspen. Yeah, and right. Aspen. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Save us, Aspen. <laughs> Coming this fall. Now I'd like to read a little poetry. Uh-huh. As far as your acting, Jeremy. What do you ever feel anything coming out? You're like, holy shit! I just did a little Phil Hartman. Yeah, every time I do any voiceover, anything. Yeah, anytime, really? anything, yeah. anything. What specifically no. do you I mean, do voiceover-wise? What kind of things do you get cast for? Well, I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, it can be anything. You know, it's. Uh-huh. I mean, one of the things that I love doing is, is cartoon voices, and one yeah. of the reasons I love doing it is because Phil Hartman was one of those people who you know uh, let me know. And I mean, I grew up with. 
you know, like those ones in the 80s, you know, like G.I. Joe and Transformers sure. and like all that stuff. And, you know, and in a cartoon voice was, ah, Megatron! You know, I mean, and like that was a big cartoony voice. Yeah. And, you know, like to see Phil go on The Simpsons and, you yeah. know, you know, make that almost sort of like stylized 1930s thing acceptable to do for something. You know, and again, you know, like cartoon voices are always about stealing from something. You know, it's, you know, you look at all the Simpson voices and they're stolen from something else. It's like, you know, like it's so nice to see American Dad that Paul Lind is working again. You know what I mean? Like things like that, you know I mean? Right. And you see that and it's great because you've got a whole new generation of people who you get to expose to it. And Phil was he was just so good at locking in on something in a voice that was exactly it, but yeah. made it his own. Sure. It's like Jay Moore doing Christopher Walken. Right. It's like when people do Christopher Walken now, they don't do Chris Walken, they do him doing it. Right. You know, and it was like people doing Clinton or doing Frank Sinatra in the 80s. They weren't doing that. They were doing Phil doing yeah. it. Yeah. And I think when you've taken something that everybody knows and have basically bent it to your own will... Yeah. That's a type of skill and a type of just artistry and genius that you don't find very often. I think you said that really beautifully. I think that Phil, you know, didn't necessarily have the soul of an actor, and it made him a great actor because he was almost too smart and level-headed to be an actor. And that's and that's you literally know? it. And one of the last quotes, you know, that I saw of his that that really struck home for me is that I mean, he was in his fifties, and yeah. for all intents and purposes, by my book, he had made it. Yeah. You know, like he was getting film work, and yeah. I mean, like you know, ne- definitely not top, but second or third, and that's the best position to be in because if it tanks, it's not your fault. You know, I mean, he was in a great position. He always did, a, and he always did good work. The, the um, crime to me, I mean, that's, you know, was that he was so pure in his motive in life, you know, and... And he was always working. He, yes, and, you know, what kind of broke my heart about that scene that night was what I knew was that he had made an emotional decision to stop that if it it wasn't going to you know, he was, he was tired, yeah, right? Yeah. And, you know, I believe she called him three times and he hung up. Right. You know, and I like to, you know, I, I think he probably was saying no. Right, right. right. He was and it p- broke moving her, on, yeah. Right, mm-hmm. finally. But, you know, he just was asleep. He went to sleep. Yeah. You know, I just, he had cold medicine mm-hmm. in his toxicology report, if I'm not mistaken. You know, and I just, I just think, what an awful permanent solution to a temporary problem, which is leads me to guns, and I won't even go there. Yeah. You know, had there not been a gun in that house, sure. he might be sitting here today. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, you know, yeah. Hope yeah. your kids. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. it. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and that was it, you know, and it's just, he was he was that quintessential professional. It was, you know, even though, you know, be at the top of his game, he never thought that he was there. He was right. always humble That's enough right. and smart yeah. enough to know that he had to keep working. Yeah, and he knew it was temporary, yeah. you know, he knew whatever, that. Well, of course he did, I mean, because he said to me, it doesn't yeah. 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 And I mean, And he used to sit at his Bill McNeil desk and draw. Awesome. All oh, of his, God. you know, I and I, I, it's yeah. so funny because I was, he was not that much on my radar when I got the show, Right. but you know, as the show went along, I used to look over at his desk and he would just draw the most magnificent things yeah. and, you know, hindsight, I would have, I would yeah, have right? stolen them, you Grab know, when he passed, right? No, but you know, um, when he passed, our costumer made, a, we, it was kind of morbid, it, we all went in and sort of took a piece. Right. 
And I took his tux jacket from mm -hmm. the number that we did at the piano where I sang and oh, he played. Yeah. You know, and I kept that tux jacket and then the costumer made us all pillows of the different squares of all of his suits. That's awesome. Um, and why am I, I'm just saying that well, because I, you know, it, 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 at a certain point I gave that jacket away because I wanted to let him go in a sense. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I just, but um, he will forever be, you know, a blueprint, a part of my blueprint of my soul, you know? Yeah. I mean, he, he was in my life in a chapter that changed my life remarkably. Sure. Um, and he taught me and he led me and he made me laugh. You know, I'll never forget, um, I think it was the first table read, and I was nervous, and somebody made a joke. And, you know, table reads are always awkward anyway, and there's always, like, somebody going, <laughs> you know, that's a horrible laugh. And I get, you've heard my laugh throughout the show, but I have this, like, cackle laugh, but I was nervous. And so I was like, <laughs> and he was sitting next to me, and he goes, you, you know, you, you don't relax, you've already got the job. <laughs> you got right? the job. You know, Calm I mean, down. it was just like, oh, my God, you're so freaking funny. But um, I, I love him, and I'm glad that we can talk about him today. And yeah. um, and I'll tell another thing that'll sound like Ghost Hunters. But I was on my way to um, news radio had ended, and then I was testing for a show called Three Sisters that I did following it. And some I, comedy Chekhov thing. Some, no, exactly. <laughs> Only you would make that reference, no. Aspen. But um, I was driving back from the test, and you know those things are absolutely unnatural. Yeah. Like you're in a room this small, they're staring at you like they smell bad cheese. <laughs> you know, you know who it's up against, and you've already signed the page, and the money's on the line. Right, so I stand to make X amount of dollars that have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven numbers in them <laughs> a week. Good. If I'm good if in that good. one minute, right. right? But and I got out of there and I was sweating <laughs> profusely and I thought I did well and I had I sunroof and I it was nighttime it was like seven or eight and I I put the sunroof down I was driving back to Malibu and I just I just ta would talk to Phil sometimes and I I looked up as I was driving I didn't crash. And um, I said, you know, Phil, I, I miss you, and I don't want to move on to another show, but I think I did well, and I miss you. And I was just talking, and a shooting star went. And I just, I ha I've always had these moments with him mm -hmm. in my life where, you know, like I say, it's like a blueprint on my soul still. Yeah. So, yeah. I just wonder what it is about a person like that, obviously not knowing him personally, why the hell it would affect me at all. You know what because I mean? Because you can sense goodness in people, and you can sure. sense uprightness, and you can sense that he wanted to do the next right thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, he was lovable. Abs oh, know? yeah, absolutely. He wasn't just, I think it's that, I mean, it was a visceral reaction to him. It was kind of impossible to hate him. Sure. Sure. I mean, yeah. you never saw anything mean behind anything he did, even when he was acting. I mean, he would go on interviews and For was sure. clearly having fun. Have you ever seen the interview on Conan for Jingle All the Way? <laughs> no, he I have not. He just comes on. Conan says, so you're here for a movie called Jingle All the Way? And he's like, Jingle All the Way to the Bank. <laughs> <laughs> and then the rest of the interview was just, just icing. It didn't matter. He just killed it in the first second. That's him. And he's like, but you know he wasn't being a jerk. No. He, he yeah. didn't care, but he wasn't being an asshole about it like it was just you had to keep watching the whole time well, yeah and again it's just it, one of those things I could literally watch him do nothing and yeah. news radio was so good about letting you guys like do stuff and then cut away and then cut back to it and see right. you know the, the the repercussions of it like let him smoke in the booth yeah you know yeah. and yeah. you cut away and when you cut back you're like 
where did that big white square come from? <laughs> oh, the booth's full of smoke. Yep. <laughs> you know, and all you see come out from it is... Yeah. yeah just, all, I mean, it was all office inappropriate. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, even the way... I mean, what we came out with my outfits was, what's the most inappropriate <laughs> thing sure. this idiotic secretary can mm-hmm. wear? And, that, and, it's, you know, and it's so... And, it, and, like, and there's one thing in it that's really gratifying about being a fan of, of the show and, you know, watching s- stuff now and seeing, like, something so... that Something so obvious that you did perfectly that they lifted verbatim and stuck in 30 Rock. Right, right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, they took yeah. it and went, oh, that worked there, mm-hmm. let's do it here. And it works well, again, you know, it, in their I own mean, way. I don't want to go too far down this road, but, you know, they did it with Suddenly Susan. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. They took it exactly and named that character Vicky. Oh, really? I didn't yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, and I, you know, I remember Paul Sims going to the network, you know, yeah, to Warren Littlefield right. going, really? What, right. you know, While they need to my, mix this up, maybe, you know. But, yeah. wow. but you know, as Kathy Griffin I, does a good impression of you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Thank you. <laughs> that was her going through a wind tunnel, oh, ladies and gentlemen. Know. I, um, what was I going to say? I thought it was good, too. You know, I think it was Phil, maybe, who said to me, you know, imitation is the sincerest form of television. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you know, I felt like that was flattering to us, you know, and and they did just shoot me and all that kind of stuff. And then, but you can't, you know... There's, you can't recreate stuff. It's, that's it's impossible. Never, it never works, especially with yeah. what you guys yeah. had. You know, again, every moment, you know, you, it's just, you didn't know who could come in and it didn't matter because... And I don't think it'll ever happen again, which makes me sad. You know, it, but I feel blessed that I got that yeah. because it happens so rarely in television. Yeah. You mean happen in general or happen to you? Just ha- happen to an actor, you know, who gets on a show that can run that is also not creatively embarrassing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, right. you know, can make you some good money and sure. you can find a job for six years, five and a half years, whatever it is, you know, where you respect everybody and you, you feel like the bar is raised every day. Yeah. You know, every kind of opportunity since then is, I, I have only that to compare it to because yeah. it was my first experience and it's always somewhat daunting to me to try to find my way in another setting and you know thankfully I love to sing and I'm a sort of a theater monkey so Uh you know that's what I spend my time that's kind of my joy and I'm grateful that I have that because I don't think television could compare for me film some film does you know I did a film with Dave we were trapped in Omaha for four months you don't want to know the stories that's another podcast (laughs) (laughs) really okay we had steak and steak Josh Lee's grandparents are from Omaha as well I only remember about Josh Lee is that his pen was always exploded in his pant pocket you remember that and it had glue on it he didn't wear shoes one of the writers on news radio (laughs) and ran the show the last season a hilarious great writer who always has something in the works, too. I think he just moved back to L.A. in the last six months as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have a favorite scene that you did with Phil Hartman? We had the make-out scene in the um, Daydream episode. <laughs> oh, yeah? That was fun. Um, <laughs> and, because uh, he's a good guy there. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, but I, you know, I had the most fun with Phil on a Christmas episode where he and I were doing voiceovers yes. together. Yes, And that. also when he and I sang at and, and the piano. Mm-hmm. So those are my two sort of... No, make it pretty. So good. If you haven't seen the episode, she's singing beautifully. And he just keeps trying to correct her and tells her, no, make it pretty, like this. And he just does the worst Ethel Merman just type of thing. And then she's like, but what am I doing wrong? Yes, it was very funny. Yeah, those moments. I mean, every day was kind of, you know, 
that show, I mean, the cast of characters, it just, it's impossible to not have that viscerally sort of alive at all times in my world. Sure. It, usually for fans, it seems, but for the actors, it's probably personal times that you spent. It is. You know. It's yeah, Vegas. Of course. Yeah. It's right. dressing rooms. Right. It's, you know, dramas that occurred. Yeah. Yeah. I think Phil actually kissed most of everybody on that yes, show. He, he yes. kissed. He kissed Andy he, Dick. He, yes, that's right. Uh, all the all the ladies in the fantasy episode. Yeah. I don't know if he ever kissed Dave. He may have. Yeah. I think he I'd did. Uh, I've seen him kiss Dave. Yeah. Oh, okay. well, that's fine. <laughs> that's good enough for me. You know, Dave would get in drag. Uh-huh. I love Dave. Dave is hot to in drag. Death. Well, I, I mean, love Dave Foley awesome. too. Death. I would just imagine he just had all his kids in the hall stuff already fitted and oh, just put okay. it yeah. on and you know walk around. He did like a like Isabella Rossellini yeah. went to me <laughs> yes. like, like he did that drag thing and I was so attracted to him in a weird way and Dave and I never made out we all made out with each other at some point sure. but sure. Um, he and I were just close you know, yeah. I'm no, we, but it got incestuous that group yeah. you know I'm just saying yeah um, you know I, uh, I did I'm promise I'm glad we're running out of time when I got to the part where we made out right. <laughs> you, you can keep going I mean it's up to you spiral down yeah. to nothing that's good. You okay, know? that's fine. Yeah. No Andy Dick stories. That's that's all that's I ask. That's just too easy. Yeah, yeah no, I know. Um, uh, there's a, uh, a very nice lady named Angel Rosenthal who is set up the Hollywood, uh, the Walk of Fame thing on Facebook. I did promise her I'd call her. So let's do oh, that good. real quick too and say hello. She'll say, have the exact same things to say as far as how we how we help. How we do it. No, all right. we Let's all pretend like we haven't she, heard of it. Will she know about the Canadian? Yeah, will she know about the Canadian one? We can also pretend we're a much larger group. Dave Foley. Hello, Angel? Yeah. Hi, is this Jason? <laughs> and, well, it's, it's the whole podcast, actually. I apologize. Vicky's here, my good friend Jeremy, my good friend Mike, and our audience. Hello. Yeah. That was nice. Um, so, real quick, we just wanted to, uh, A, thank you for setting up the Walk of Fame and uh, just real quick, I don't know, just uh, let us know what Phil meant to you as a performer. Well, you know, I, I came to Phil kind of late. I didn't really become a fan of his till 2000. Um, Vicky, I never watched news radio on Atlanta because I couldn't keep up with the time changes, it seemed. Um, so, you know, I came to him kind of late. And as I look back on it now, and especially with what I'm doing now with Paul and, and the rest of the family, you know, it really seemed almost a preparation of sorts that... Um, I became the, the eminent expert on film that I am now, and um, it's a nice path to be on. It's, I'm, I'm certainly blessed by working with the fan base and working with the family and uh, even helping out now in the proposed biography of Phil uh, that's being written by Mike Thomas here in Chicago. Ooh. So, is, is that Does that have a projected publication date? Do we know when that's going to happen? You know, I should have word on that tomorrow. Um, that is bad timing. Mike and I are <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it, he's hoping to actually uh, have a deal announced really soon. That's great. Um, we did want to we did yeah. want to thank you. We are running out of time here, but we wanted to thank you very much for setting up the Walk of Fame. Uh, is is the Facebook thing the best? Is the best way to do it? That is the best way to do it. Um, if you go to Phil Hartman Walk of Fame on Facebook. You'll see all the announcements come out next Saturday, which is Phil's birthday. He would have been 63, so um, we'll be kicking off everything in earnest on that date, and we'll be updating probably daily um, going through next May. Angel, thank you so much. We really appreciate hey, Jason, it. Hey, Jason, no problem. All right, you have Can't a good one. Can't wait to hear the rest of the chaos. You'll enjoy it. <laughs> 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 thank you so much.
Bye-bye. Yes, everybody go out there and go to Facebook. Uh, yes. That's a social networking site? Uh, that's what I, b- I believe. That's so what that is? They call the it. Facebook. The, face- the yeah. Facebook. Go to the Facebook. Dot and, um, yes, Phil Hartman, Hollywood Walk of Fame, right? Well, we yeah. do have to wrap up in about 10 or 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> we can keep stretching out because I could just window. listen to you talk wow, all day. Just, so that's like, you Jeremy, you're fine. Yes, but, thank um, you. I get it. Aspen. Jeremy, uh, Mike, by the way, is wearing a picture of himself. Jeremy is wearing a picture of himself <laughs> on his shirt. That's the problem. Maybe you, you could post that. a picture because I didn't yeah. know if that was maybe if you uh-huh. and Gene Wilder had a child. No, that's me. Here. It's a picture of me on my chest, so I remember. How humble of you. If, yeah. I knew I was coming down to Melrose, and I figured if somebody cut my head off, they could still identify my body. So that's what I did. Oh you know, Mike from the writer's room of news radio, did yes. you ever hear any stories about Phil or were they at that point where they you just know, didn't want to talk last, about it? It was, really was the last season, and, yeah. and I just think it was too hard. You sure. know? I mean, yeah. I think it almost, you know, everybody had to move on in the sense of the show of course, itself. Yeah. You know, I had been around before, you know, when Phil was there just as, you know, a friend of the show. Mm-hmm. And by the time I was there, you know, it, it's interesting to me how, you know, Vicky talked about the cast because the writers were pretty tight too. And, and you know, in the, the couple of episodes that I was around were really gang written. You know, somebody's yeah. name, my name was on one, but, you know, it was written by the entire staff, you know. Sure. And, you know, I had scenes that I wrote and all. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's interesting how that show, the cast was an ensemble and, a lot of the writers were ensemble. A few moved on to other projects right. at the time, but there was kind of a core group that kind of yeah. stuck around for the years and all, too. And you had to be, it, well, you couldn't be careful, but, you know, it. what happened was we were all such a nucleus that if things were going on in your life, they would take them. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> you you mentioned something, right, and it became part of the show. Yes, that is. As a matter of fact, now, just go on a news radio tangent. Yeah. Had, had you met Melissa Samuels? Because I'd always heard that your character was somewhat based on Melissa Samuels. Do you know who she yeah, is? Yeah, I do. Was I she saw Paul's her assistant at a time yeah, or something? Yeah, and we right? looked, I guess, somewhat, she, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, but, maybe. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's funny, because I got the, the scene, the audition scene, and it said something like the description was, which I've come to ignore every one of them now, but, you know, I was young to it, and, and it said uh, like something like, you know, spacey, you know, which isn't me. Like, everything that's not me, bubbly, spaced <laughs> out, you know, and I thought, I'm not going to get this. So let me go the other way, and I made it really serious. <laughs> and I think something flipped, and you know, and um, and the writers were smart enough to see it because I certainly only knew it to, to do it that way. But it's when I auditioned, I remember I was sitting next to Dave, who I didn't know, because I I was like locked away in the world of theater, and I was a, mm-hmm. like a kid from Ohio where we would fight over who was going to get the mail, me and my sister. I mean, there was no <laughs> access to like, so I'm not even lying. And so. Um, you know, we get to go to the mall right. on Saturday. Heaven forbid yeah. your parents knew you were watching kids in the hall. That's right, the yeah. Men dressed as women. Right, yeah. That's right. It was, so, it was just so edgy. But so Dave was there and, like, Bernie Brillstein and Paul and, you know, all these people were there. And I had no idea who any of them were. Jimmy Burroughs. And I remember I when I got the job, you know, and I got to the table read and I started realizing, like, Oh, that's Phil Hartman. And <laughs> Jesus, that's Dave Foley. I would have been nervous and yeah. probably wouldn't have gotten it. But I don't remember how I got on that tangent of Doesn't just matter. the writers would take, you know, what was oh, going on with us. Right, they would, right. It was a little scary sometimes. And, you know, oh, and Joe Rogan used to do this thing. I just have to tell because it, it used to terrorize us. I don't know if you remember this. He used to do this thing where he would draw a head 
And then he would do like what day, like uh, today I'll do you, Vicky. And he would like do in front of everybody. And it was supposed to be funny, but it was too honest. So it would be like this much of your brain is taken up with I hate my life with Nick. This part of your brain is taken up with just let me get through the day. This part of the brain. But I remember he used to draw those brains. He used to terrorize us. Like we all would have a brain. It would be like what is he? Who's he gonna draw today? Because he was always honest. That's kind of ironic that the guy who's most into other men punching him in the head. Would be <laughs> writing about somebody else's brain. I remember the story of Joe Rogan one day on the set, like kind of being amused that the gas guy got trapped in his backyard with the two pit bulls. <laughs> oh you know, that's kind of how I would sum him up. You know, he was it's sort funny. Of, yeah. uh, again, you have a different experience than I do because I love Joe Rogan. And I'm not saying oh, you I don't. Oh, I love Joe. But he's a guy, by the way. The image that people, that the average person has of him is man show and punching. Right. Not the even guy that. I know he's fucking amazing you right, know like right, he right. was always like so friendly to me and, like the episode friendly. i did yeah. he's I mean, basically he so hard it he's one crazy. of the main reasons i actually watch ufc or mma right, at all right. because yeah. i hate announcers right. for anything right. i mean literally and one of my favorite ones and i don't know why i'm going on a joe rogan tangent but um <laughs> it was one of those moments and it's like it's where it's where the reality of something butts up against what the perception should be and everybody turns into a fucking idiot you know what i mean <laughs> and so it's this it's this ufc fight and it's these two guys fighting and basically all of them look the same yeah. now you know they all have shaved heads right, and tattoos right, right. over 40% of their body and they got these shorty shorts and everything else. All right, so there's two guys fighting and there's the color guy and Joe calling it. And the one guy, the color guy, is, is trying to describe the two people and they both have whatever their names are. They look exactly the same. Shaved head, <laughs> tattoos, wearing black trunks. One's black, one's white, all right? The guy doing color goes, and McAfee is the one in the in the black trunks that have the writing that says and, and the and he's trying to describe them even though they look exactly the same. And Joe goes, "You mean the black guy? Yeah. You know, no, the, not, the white guy." Through. I mean, you guys could not tell a lie. You yeah, know, it's, it was I, like, "How do I look in this dress?" You look like the Bartlett pair. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, what if you couldn't lie? You know? Right. But um, yeah, he's that guy. But he's yeah. you know he's very uh, generous it's, and fun. He's a and, different and person than the, like the he's projected Joe than the. What was the eating bug show, whatever that oh was? Oh, yeah, the Fear Factor. Fear Factor yes. you know? I mean, he's fun. He likes doing crazy he's stuff. He's good on it. Yeah. But as I like on a personal level, yeah. just so you know, that guy, uh, I have nothing but great things to say about it. It's funny. Yeah, and he was, you know, as we all were, heartbroken, but I was most surprised to see his reaction to Phil. Hard, you know? right? Yeah. Hard, yeah, very hard. Yeah. Yeah. Very sensitive guy. You know, again, yeah. you wouldn't think, yeah. you know. And, yeah. But, you know, everybody there took it so hard. It oh was my just... God. There was no way to take something like that easy. No matter how hard you, you know, what you knew about his, uh, Phil and Bryn's relationship, you know, nobody projects that, you know, no. what ended sure. up happening, you know. And it was great talking to brother. And there was a part of me just wanted to kind of yell, are the kids okay? You know, yeah. right. you just yeah, figure yeah. they're okay. I've heard that's that's it. they're yeah. thriving and oh, that good, they are good. okay. They're that's with great. her sister, yeah. actually. Great. You know, yeah. I, I think probably Bryn, like anybody that is in the middle of a disease, was a lovely person that got lost, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and so that her sister has them is probably yeah. I think one thing to make sure we concentrate on before we end is obviously, uh, you know, he left a huge legacy for people. And I the point of this podcast is for people not to forget those legacies. Yeah. Not that I think it's in, yeah. he's in any danger of that, but I think there are people who just didn't, they're already, they wouldn't have grown up with him. Sure. And they might have seen him, they're just yeah. going to see him on reruns or they're going to hear his voice and not know who that guy is. Yeah. Sure. Um, I, 
I don't know. I, I just like to leave it, leave people with, uh, listen to everything you can, see everything that you can, and realize that it's just go to IMDb and then be blown yeah. away and see all the different things he's done and understand how important he is to why you find things funny. Right. Because there's, I mean, you know, there's so there's no there's no Pee Wee Herman without no. you know Phil Hartman. There's no Simpsons as we know it without Phil exactly. Hartman. There's no there's there would have been no uh, Adam Sandler and yeah. Chris Rock and all That's of right. those guys to come after Saturday Night Live that, that if it wasn't for Phil Hartman. I mean. Uh, you know, news radio wouldn't have been what it was without Phil Hartman. I mean, there's, I mean, he was, he was on, he did voices for Ren and Stimpy, yep. for Darkwing Duck. You know, like he did Nickelodeon stuff, Disney things. He was affecting everybody on so many levels, even if he didn't understand it. So yeah, it's you know, I, I still love watching his stuff, and I laugh just as hard. Yeah, great, yeah. talented, funny man. Yeah, Vicky, yeah. is there anything else you would like to leave us with as far as? You know, I just feel absolutely blessed that I was lucky enough to get. To spend five and a half, you know, five and a half years with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a better person for it. I learned a lot. I'm a better actor, you know, and I miss him terribly to this day. You could see his skill, skill, and everybody else's skill rubbing off on one another. But you could see there was something in him that clearly yeah. rubbed off on everybody. Yes, there was. You know what I mean? And I mean, whether it was the way that the man could go, quote unquote, over the top, but still you didn't care. That's you believed right. it the whole time. Always grounded. I mean, you know, yeah. you're you're stage trained, and you knew how to go over if you had to go over. But I mean, still, like slowly but surely, you could see everybody kind of catching no, up. No, but in he a taught me to, to make the stakes high, but to use the forehead as a proscenium. You know, <laughs> mm -hmm. because when I first came to TV, I was doing this still. Uh, because I was on stage all the time. I hadn't figured out, you know, not because I see a lot of people in television, the trap is, I don't want to really yeah, like I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. I, mean, I did an episode of, never mind. I did an episode of something, an hour long. Films. It's like my grandmother always said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't come say, sit next come to sit me. me. I know. <laughs> but literally, I, I couldn't hear some of the... I was in, right here, and I was like, what the fuck are you saying? I can't I, hear you, you know? Yep, that's but, one of my, I did I did one of those right? dramas, and like literally, oh I had God. to wait for the person's lips to stop moving, because <laughs> otherwise I wouldn't have known I when feel, to speak. I was like, oh, God, you know? And I, you don't want to be a dick to the lead and go, what? What are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm right here, I can't oh even God, hear I you. <laughs> I know. And, speak and, you up. Know, and I remember, like, I was doing Pushing Tim, and Billy Bob Thornton was in the movie, and John Cusack, and they used to, you know, we would play around, play around, and then they'd say film, you know, and all that, sound speed, and Billy Bob would say, no, no acting. But Billy Bob makes choices with his non-acting, you know. Mm -hmm. But but Phil did teach me how to make the stakes high. I watched him and learned from him, you know, mm -hmm. how to keep it high but keep the proscenium in the forehead area. And and he could do it better than anyone. And he was the glue of that show. He without him, the rest of us were too crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? His was the sane crazy. He was the executive transvestite. <laughs> I like that. Okay. Um, I want to thank everybody for being here. Mike, thank you very much. You're welcome. Jeremy, My pleasure. Jeremy, good luck with Aspen. Yeah, thank, thank you. For being here. Thank and you. Vicky, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Everybody, thank you for coming. Thank Thanks, guys. Yay, Phil. Let's everybody today go and join the, yes. the thing to get him his star on the damn walk of fame. Both of them. Go and sing the monorail song. Yes, do that. I can oh. do that all. I, yeah, it's not. It's not a test. No. All right, that's hey, not. Listen, all right, that's, listen. It's not. That's not what I'm getting I, at. I listen. You guys scare me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you guys, and uh, yeah, have a fantastic day, and thanks for coming to Comedy on Final. Yay! Yay. Yay. Two applauses. Amazing. Wait a minute.
forgot to hit record. And, uh, <laughs> and also, everybody go out and buy a copy of Poco's Legend, because if, if you don't, uh, there are biggest... That's not he didn't take the lens cap off. You know, a town with money's a little like the mule with a spinning wheel. No one knows how he got it, and danged if he knows how to use it. <laughs> <laughs> mule. The name's Lanley, Lyle Lanley. And I come before you good people tonight with an idea. Probably the greatest... Oh, it's not for you. It's more of a Shelbyville idea. Now, wait just a minute. We're twice as smart as the people of Shelbyville. Just tell us your idea and we'll vote for it. All right. I tell you what I'll do. I'll show you my idea. I give you the Springfield monorail. <gasps> I've sold monorails to Brockway, Ogdenville, and North Haverbrook, and by gum it put them on the map. Well, sir, there's nothing on earth like a genuine, bona fide, electrified six-car monorail. what I say? Monorail. What's it called? Monorail. That's right, monorail. 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 I hear those things are awfully loud. It glides as softly as a cloud. This week, Comedy on Vinyl was recorded at the Zephyr Theater in Hollywood. Uh, producer is Mike Warden. Uh, edited by me, Jason Klom. It is a Stolen Dress production. For uh, more information on our company, go to StolenDress.com. Just as it sounds, the word stolen, the word dress.com. Uh, check out Comedy on Vinyl, please. Uh, be our friends on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com slash Comedy on Vinyl. Easy enough. Twitter.com slash Comedy on Vinyl. Yeah, so please subscribe on iTunes, rate us highly, and uh, then we'll be able to bring you more live episodes because this one was quite exciting. Thank you so much, and uh, please join us next week. Mono! Mono! Don't!